So I want to start with the word perspective. Who's ever heard of that word before? Perspective. It's, um, it's how we view things, the lens that we look at life with. So you've heard the saying of rose-colored glasses. That's not such a bad saying. It's not such a bad thing. But we often use it in a, in a bad sense, saying it's a negative thing. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's probably better to uh, look at the world through rose-colored glasses than the alternative, which is cloudy glasses, which is dark glasses. So uh, it says in Proverbs 15, 15, now I'll just, before I go on, a lot of what, I've, what I'm going to use today, a lot of the scriptures I have been going back to and going over and over again and preaching out of them a lot, but every time there's something different and something that I haven't shared before, so you might hear these verses and say, oh, here we go again, but I want to bring something fresh and alive and new out of uh, what I've got to bring this morning. Anyway, Proverbs 15:15. 15, 15. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Now, despondent means low spirits, uh, loss of hope. And I don't want you to leave church this morning with a low spirit, with a loss of hope. I want to speak hope and life back into your spirit, back into your soul, so that you can leave this place with a sense of, of, of uh, destiny and purpose for what God is leading you into. So perspective, it's a, it's a powerful thing. There are, there are specialists in, in certain fields of life who, who know stuff. Yeah, there's, there's, there's people who are specialists. There's, uh, there's plumbers. They're specialists. There's doctors. There's lawyers. There's mechanics. They have knowledge in their field, but they have a different perspective to every problem. So the way they look at things is different because of their knowledge, because of the information they have, because of the job that they, they have in life. So when the drain is blocked, the plumber says, unblock the drain. The doctor says, that's unhealthy. The lawyer says, somebody needs to be held accountable for this. And the mechanic says, it was only a little bit of oil. So hopefully you understood that joke. But that's the human perspective to whatever life throws at us. We have a perspective from our own knowledge, from our own uh, information that we know, from experience that has happened to us. So what I think is really important and what I want us to uh, understand this morning and, and, and develop is the God perspective, a God perspective over the circumstances of life. So we, we want to see the world, we want to see life, not only from the limited view but with a God perspective because our view is limited by knowledge, by information, by experience. But God's, God's view is not limited by anything. So when, when we or people have a limited perspective, they see a lack in everything. When we have a God perspective, we see enough in everything. It's Proverbs 15, 15, where we started the second part. For the happy heart is a continual feast. I want to be living in the continual feast life. I want to be in the. I want to have a happy heart and live in the feast. Not not a not a buffet. Buffet is junk food. We want to have the banquet kind of feast. You know, the, don't go to the buffet with with the stuff that's been sitting in the bain marie all day and it's all hard and yuck. No, we want to have the the, the fresh, great life that God has for us to live. So the title of my message that was just a warm up when is when God asks the question. So that's the title of our message this morning. Jesus took people beyond what they were lacking, beyond their lack, 
And before he did that, he would often ask them a question. He would often start the, 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 the situation when they come to Jesus with a problem and Jesus will ask them a question. That happens over and over again. I'll give you four situations here. Then we're going to look at three of them in detail. Uh, number one, when there wasn't enough food, Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? The scriptures are all up there on the screens. Second time, when Lazarus was dead, he's dead, he's been buried. And Jesus comes along and he says, where have you put him? When there was two blind men on the side of the road calling out to Jesus, it, it says he stopped and called out to them, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, the fourth one, there's a demon-possessed boy who was brought to Jesus and Jesus asks, how long has this been happening? Now, why is it that, that Jesus, when he was having these, these uh, moments with people, starts with a question? Every single time he asks them a, a question. So it's not a new thing for God to ask questions. So God asked Moses when Moses was, didn't want to, to be called by God. Moses was insecure. He was, he was uh, uh, in a sense, running away from God for 40 years. He'd been away from God. God comes and meets him and, and uh, challenges him with a question when Moses has given him all the excuses. And Moses even said, yeah, fine, God, but choose someone else. He's like, don't choose me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. But God asked Moses in that moment, what's in your hand? And you might, Moses is probably thinking, well, what's that got to do with it? But it had a lot to do with it. But another one, this is not directly God asking, but Elisha, when the widow came to him saying, I, I, I'm in huge debt, I have a massive problem, Elisha asked her, I think as a metaphor of God in her life, what have you got in your house? So it's not a new thing for God to start with a question before a miracle happens. So how people answer the question from God is the difference between the miracle or no miracle. So it's not a new thing for God to ask people questions. So we can learn a lot from these questions that God asked of people. See, in the question, God challenges our perspective with his perspective. So we're going to just look at some of these. The first one, how much bread do you have? Mark 6 verse 38. So I want you to understand we don't need much for Jesus to do a lot. So Jesus asked a question, how many loaves do you have? And, and then he says, go and see. It's in the go and see time where people walk away and don't come back. So when we, have an, when we have a need, when we have an issue, when we have a problem, we can be praying and saying, God, I need you to answer my prayer. And God says, well, go and see what you got. And so we, we go, hey, we go, but then we forget to go back. We, we forget, well, what, you know, I'm not going back to church. I'm not going back to that place. Because, because in, the, in the meantime of going to find out what, what God asked me to do, I forgot and I never went back. So we walk away, not walk back. So it's in that go and see time where people walk away and don't come back. So we miss great things from God when we won't go back and see, when we go, don't go and see what we have. And it says they found five loaves and two fish. So we don't need much for Jesus to do a lot. So you think, hey, there's 12 disciples, there's thousands of other people there. And, and you think, well, hey, we've got five loaves and two fish. Well, boys, let's get together. Let's share just among ourselves. We'll all just have a little bit and send everyone else away. They don't deserve it anyway. They're just freeloaders. 
So get, get rid of them. But we don't need much for Jesus to do a lot. So the power of God in that situation was released when they put all that they could find in Jesus' hands. They got all that they could find and they gave it to Jesus. So when you need, a, when you need God to move something for you, don't give up in the go and see time. Don't give up in the time where you think, well, well, what am I supposed to do? I, even if I found everything that I could find, it wouldn't be enough. So when you know what you have, practice giving it all to Jesus. See, our limited perspective would say we don't have enough. Give Jesus your not much and see what happens. So if you're looking, if you're looking for a work and you think, well, I, I need a job, I need a job, I don't know what to do, I can't, don't know where to look, you know, you've got you've to... Take what you have and give it to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. You think, well, well, I haven't got much. Have you got a driver's license? Give it to Jesus. He, he doesn't need that so he can drive around in heaven. But, but what you say, how you give that to Jesus is you say, Jesus, I've got a license and I need a job, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to serve you with my license. I'm going to serve you with my car. I'm going to drive people to church. I'm going to find people who, don't, who can't get there and bring them. I'm going to use my car to take people shopping. I'm going to use my car for, for doing good things to help other people. In that way, you're, being, you're giving your car to Jesus to use. And then out of that, God will say, well, you're using what you got. Now from that, something will happen and you'll find a job. It's when we withhold those things from God, then we wonder why everything's withheld from us. Ouch. Number two. John chapter 11, verse 34. And Lazarus is dead. And Jesus comes and says, where have you put him? And this is about those times when you think God didn't move fast enough. Who's ever felt that? God, you didn't move fast enough. Or you weren't there when I needed you. You were silent. You were, you were, you were invisible. And Jesus turns up and he says, where have you put this dead man? The reason Jesus asks, asks that, I always get caught with that, quote, that, that word, ask. I came from a little place called Rosanna and next to Rosanna was West Heidelberg and in West Heidelberg they say, ask. So it sort of got on me. I have to learn how to say ask, not ask. So forgive me for that. So the reason why Jesus asks where, ask, where he put the dead man is because he wants to go there. He wants to go there. And I'll, I'll tell you this morning, don't give up on the walk to the graveyard. In a metaphorical sense, where you have buried stuff. So Jesus went to the tomb, to the grave, where Martha's grief was raw. And there's, there's places in our life, if we want, if we want to look at our life in a, in a spiritual sense, where we buried something because we thought it was dead. So we thought, well, you know, that, 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 that ministry died, so I buried it there. That, that, that relationship died, so I buried it there. The, the things went, went, went sour in my life, so I, so I buried it there somewhere behind me, uh, and I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to that. So Jesus was asking, where did you bury him? Because he wants to go there. So when you include Jesus to the graveside of your circumstances, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to be embarrassed of it. He wants to go there with you. You've got to show Jesus to it. Jesus called out to the dead man at the tomb in a grave and the dead man came out alive. 
And that's what Jesus can do if you will walk with him to the graveyard. If you'll say, well, I know that's where I got hurt. I know that's where I was disappointed. I know that's where I gave up. Jesus says, well, where did you bury it? I want to go there with you. Will you, will you show me where it is? When we try and hide and, 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 and cover things from Jesus, what we're doing is we're saying we're not giving you a place in our life to change anything. Show Jesus to it. And where you've been hurt is where Jesus wants to go for your miracle. Our limited perspective would tell us, don't go there. But we need to live with a perspective from heaven, a perspective of what God can see and what God wants to do. The third story. Two blind men on the side of the road, they're calling out to Jesus. And it says in in, uh, Matthew 20 verse 31, It said the crowd was yelling at them. These two blind guys, they hear the Jesus parade coming. The Jesus procession is coming to town. They can hear what's going on. And they go, well, it's Jesus is coming to town. So they start calling out. They can't see what's going on. But they're on the side of the road where they've always sat. And they're calling out to God, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they're, they're getting louder. Now, they're, the, the, the people in the town, they're embarrassed of them. They they're, they're, they're like don't want them to, to be around. They don't want them to be seen. And they're saying, be quiet, be quiet. You, you're embarrassing us. The, the crowd's yelling at them to be quiet, but they shouted louder, have mercy on us. And it says, Jesus stopped and he called them. And this is the most amazing thing. The question Jesus asked, is what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And do you know what? Oh, so, sorry. Do you know what, G, what you want Jesus to do for you? It's a great question. So people ask God, people often ask God for stuff and are praying about the consequences of their condition. So when Jesus heals our issue, we get everything else. So the blindness kept them by the side of the road inactive, ineffective, introverted, and excluded. So when Jesus asked them the question, they knew what they wanted. In Matthew 20, verse 33, Lord, we want to see. So they could have asked for a pension. So what do you want? Oh, we want the pension. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, we, we, we want a veranda. Well, what do we want? What, what do you want me to do for you? And they're asking for for beds. When they knew what they wanted, they knew what they needed, and they said, Lord, we want to see. So let's not be praying for the symptoms, rather pray for the sight. So, so often our prayers are based on our perspective and we think, oh, just, oh, Lord, if you would just do this for me, if you just do that for me, if you just open this and do that. But we're looking at the symptoms of our issue, not the root cause, and we need to say, God, let me see. Give me the perspective that you want me to have. So if you're feeling ineffective, inactive, stuck by the side of the road and and everyone's yelling at you, telling you to be quiet, you need to say, Lord, I want to see. Lord, help me to see your perspective. Don't go asking God for answers from our limited perspective. That's one of the the biggest issues that we have in life is we're asking God for limited perspective. You know, limited things by our perspective when, we're, when, we're, when we should be asking for our eyesight and we're asking for a pension. So come on, we need to, we need to uh, understand these things this morning. Can I have the music team come and join me this morning? So right now I don't know what you're facing or what you're needing from God. But I do know God is able and willing and interested in you. God is interested in you. And if we'll apply these principles 
when God asks the question, because he will ask the question before our breakthrough. He will ask the question before our miracles. And we need to know, we need to know how to answer God so that in faith we, ask, we, we answer the right question and then we see God move in our situation. So the first one, how much bread do you have? Don't give up in the go and see time. Give Jesus your not much. And you won't need much for Jesus to do a lot. So I want to encourage you with that. The second, the second point, where have you put him? Jesus wants to go there with you. Don't give up on the walk to the graveyard. Where your hurt is, is where Jesus wants to go for the miracle. So if you take him with you, you'll see miracles happen in those, in those places that were hard, those places that were hurtful. He'll take you back to there and you'll see the miracles start to happen from there. The third one, what do you want me to do for you? Don't ask for a pension when you should be asking for healing.